Hi everyone, this is Cinema 5000. I'm Mallory, your host, here to talk to you about films I have recently seen. This episode will have a number of films featured that I did, in fact, see at the Coolidge Corner Theater annual Halloween Horror Marathon. So it's an overnight marathon that sometimes starts around midnight and then goes for 12 hours straight. But this year, they actually started at 11.30ish, 11.30pm or so, and then the festivities went till almost 1pm, the following day from a Saturday overnight basically into Sunday. So I'm going to tell you about the films I've seen. And so far we're at 4,978 films, so a number of those films uh, I'm actually not counting towards that total because there were some films I had seen before. But why don't you uh, listen in right now to a live report from me at the Coolidge Corner Theater with my special guest for this episode. Hi, this is Mallory from Cinema 5000, and I am at the Coolidge Corner Theater, and I am joined by... Duke Frucum? No, what's, uh. what's your first name, not your online name? Steve. Hi, Steve. How are you tonight? I'm awesome. I'm exhausted. Why are you exhausted? What are we doing here? Well, it's 1.30. Uh, we're watching movies till 1 p.m. tomorrow. I guess you're not, because you're piecing out. You're a bit tired. I'm bailing. I'm totally bailing. I thought I could make it through at least three, and I'm leaving after one and a half. Okay. Well, great effort, though. You haven't done this before. Am I correct? You have not done a movie marathon before? I have never done a movie marathon. Okay. So, Steve, what was the first movie we watched? We watched, if you want to call it a movie, it was London After Midnight, and and it was a recreation of a film that was lost in the famous MGM fire to the best of their abilities by taking the old the old negatives I suppose and still frame there was probably 30 frames yeah something like that it was it was kind of like watching a slideshow with music and but... zooms and a lot of zooms dramatic zooms and pans and uh, referring back to old frames for reactions yeah, it was it was an interesting recreation of an old silent film, basically with still photos. Um, London After Midnight is directed by Todd Browning, who also directed the next movie we watched, Dracula. But this one starred Lon Chaney, and there's not a lot to talk about with this movie because it was a unique experience. But uh, I will say that having it with a live score did make it interesting. And what did you think about how the audience reacted? Uh, they thought it was hilarious most of the time because of the, well, the reactions of the characters in the frames were exaggerated. And so if there was a, a woman who couldn't believe that she was at a house in the middle of the night looking at a window, uh, they would show her kind of coiled up and reacting like she is, uh, got a gun pointed at her (laughs) yeah lots of lots of still frame faces that were very exaggerated and uh what made this part of the marathon was that um we had the live music accompanying it which was pretty cool and it's also a vampire film so this marathon is all vampire films which is cool because they do a different theme every year for the coolidge horror marathon and so after london after london at midnight or after midnight after midnight london london after midnight after that we watched the todd browning film dracula starring was it bella lugosi yeah. uh yes yes and much better film <laughs> um uh, you know obviously the the universal monster movies you know have their have their place uh of 
of creating the most famous monster movies we've, we we know we know of today. Um, still some funny reaction and 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 uh, you know f- exaggerated effects like the the crucifix falling out of a T-shirt and then Bela Lugosi reacts with turning away and putting his arm up, shielding his face, and of course the audience loved that too. Um, so. You know that experience though is a lot. That was a little bit better. I've seen it a couple of times actually, but um, you know, classic uh, Dracula. You know, I think you could probably, if you didn't know anything about the movie, you you know what happens in this movie. That's pretty much the baseline for you know 21st century Dracula. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I had read a bunch of horror novels and, like, the kid version of Dracula, not, like, the real Dracula novel, if there is one. But uh, I knew the story, and this follows it to a T. I had actually never seen this movie, despite seeing many Dracula movies. But, um, yeah, Dracula, Todd Browning's film, was a good time, good with an audience. And we saw this on 35mm film. And if you haven't seen the other movies of this era like the mummy the werewolf the wolfman rather lots um, of mummy movies lots of mummy movies in this era just really it picked up after that mummy if you go back and look at all the universal films the mummy owned the 30s and the 40s like it just was release after release and they didn't bother really to do much of anything new or different they were like oh just just redo the plot of the, the last mummy movie and and keep keep it keep the keep the train going. Yeah, I, I I like this movie though. It's like you know the same effect you get in the other films, the same impact on the audience. But it was a good time, and I was glad to have seen it here at the Coolidge. But Steve's got to go. He's kind of tired. A little tired, just a tiny bit. Yeah, he's missing out on Fright Night, which he likes um, from 1985. But I'm gonna go back in the theater and I'm gonna go see that. But I do say thank you to Steve for coming to the Coolidge and hanging out and watching some movies. And thank you, Mal, for introducing me to movie marathons. I hope you come back for another one soon. I, might, I just might do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, have a good night. Thanks, you too. So, big shout out to Steve. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for coming to the Coolidge and hanging out and watching a couple movies. Uh, yeah, it was really late at night. It didn't even occur to me that um, Dracula is written by Bram Stoker. Me of all people. How could I forget that? But my excuse is it was it was actually like two something in the morning um, and I was tired. And once you get in the swing of like a horror marathon, everything you know about yourself and your life just like goes out the window completely. <laughs> uh, so I do apologize for that very obvious glaring error. Uh, but so after Dracula went ahead and watched the movie Fright Night from 1985 directed by Tom Holland. I've already seen this movie before. Uh, I like it. The tagline is, there are some very good reasons to be afraid of the dark. Nobody, the summary, nobody believes teenager Charlie Brewster when he discovers that his suave new neighbor, Jerry Dandridge, is a vampire. So when the bloodsucker starts stalking Charlie, he turns to has-been actor Peter Vincent, who is wonderfully played by Roddy McDowell. Uh, Famed for portraying a ghoul hunter. Unfortunately for the would-be vampire slayers, Dandridge is set his sights on uh, Charlie's girlfriend. So if you've never seen the original Fright Night from 1985 before, I do recommend it. Uh, it's something I hadn't seen since like I was a teenager and re-watching it again. Um, it was fun. Uh, I went ahead to my local bull moose store <laughs> and bought the Blu-ray on the way home because I was still like 
with it. I was awake enough, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, the cool thing about the Fright Night Blu-ray, which I would recommend you buy if you're interested in that movie or you like it, because the Blu-ray, or at least the edition I picked up, includes the three and a half-ish hour documentary about making of the first Fright Night and its its 80s sequel. Nothing to do with the one with Colin Farrell, but um, I, I liked that documentary a lot. I saw it years ago on Shudder, and I thought it was a cool investment to at least buy the Blu-ray to watch that again, and of course I'm going to watch the movie again. I like it. Um, and I didn't mention this, but Chris Sarandon's in it, and I think Chris Sarandon is awesome in the movie like the perfect blend of like very intimidating and very sexy like when I was a teenager when I first saw this movie I was like whoa holy crap he is really scary and really hot and <laughs> uh, then I would see Chris Sarandon and other stuff and I would just be like yeah he's an actor he's not hot in these other things he's just really very good at playing um Jerry the sexy vampire. Um, let's move on. <laughs> so after uh, Fright Night, probably around like 4.30 in the morning or so, uh, they played The Brides of Dracula from 1960, directed by Terrence Fisher. The tagline is, he turned innocent beauty into unspeakable horror. Summary goes, a young teacher on her way to a position in Transylvania helps a young man escape shackles when his mother has, that his mother has put, his, put him on. Uh, in doing so, she innocently unleashes the horror of the undead once again on the populace, including those at her school for ladies. Luckily for some, Dr. Van Helsing is already on his way. Dr. Van Helsing is played by Peter Cushing, and this is a hammer horror film. Um, I will admit, I realize I didn't watch a lot of this movie because I fell asleep a couple times during it. I gave it three stars because I really liked the atmosphere and the acting, but uh, I think this is something I will actually rewatch very soon because... Um, when you're in the midst of a horrorthon, you don't realize sometimes how much you miss at movies because you just randomly pass out. So I regretfully say that I counted this as me watching it, but I guess I missed some of it. Oopsie. But I didn't dislike what I saw. I just probably need to try to rewatch it. And also, um, when <laughs> this teacher is trying to help the man in shackles, um, out, <laughs> I was just like, oh no girl don't do that do not do not any man who's in shackles and uh is a uh, yeah clearly maybe questionably held for some reason um um yeah don't do that <laughs> the brad's dracula 1960 directed by terence fisher i will try to give this another shot and watch the whole thing for sure this time after that this was a movie um i know for sure i had seen some of when it first came out on vhs VHS DVD mid-2000s. This is the 2005 film The Descent, directed by Neil Marshall's tagline is Scream Your Last Breath. After a tragic accident, six friends reunite for cra excuse me, a caving expedition. Their adventure soon goes horribly wrong when a collapse traps them deep underground and they find themselves pursued by bloodthirsty creatures. As their friendships deteriorate, they find themselves in a desperate struggle to survive the creatures and each other. So the theme of the horrorthon this year, or horror marathon rather, at the Coolidge was technically vampires. I don't necessarily buy that these are vampire creatures. Vampire-ish, but not really true vampires, so it's kind of a stretch. But this was a fun movie to watch in the theater with an audience. I know for a fact I had seen like the first 40-ish minutes or so of the film because... Uh, well, I worked at a video store. I think, I think I was working at a video store at the time this came out and I rented it or got a screener copy of it. And, uh, it 
it scared the crap out of me. Like, it was just really intense, and it is intense, but I didn't find it very scary this time. But I will say, uh, because the movie's a little lacking in its script and its character development, it's a very impactful film as far as, like, the fear aspect of, like, the, the creepiness of the different monsters and how they attack these women. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good one to just turn the lights off if you want to watch something a bit intense. I know it might not be everybody's, um, bag, I guess, because it is pretty graphic and pretty bloody, but it's all right. I didn't hate it. And watching it again as someone who's a little bit older, because I was just a, I was teenager-ish at the time, it was easier for me to take. Um, so I do recommend The Descent. I gave it three stars. Uh, definitely watched much more of it <laughs> this time than, uh, well, at least compared to the other films. Like some of the films I would just like pass out randomly and then I would get up to like just stretch a little bit or go get a drink of water or something during the movies. Like, you know, movie marathons are not the easiest thing to do. And when you're just going to see one movie, like you just sit there and you know, it's like an hour and 30 minutes, two hours or so. And you know about pacing and things like that, but things start to blur like early in the morning and shit like that. Um, so after The Descent, uh, another movie I have seen before, the 1996 film directed by Robert Rodriguez. It is From Dusk Till Dawn. Tagline is, one night is all that stands between them and freedom, but it's going to be a hell of a night. Seth Gecko and his younger brother Richard are on the run after a bloody bank robbery in Texas. They escape across the border to Mexico and will be home free the next morning when they pay off the local kingpin. They just have to survive from dusk till dawn at the rendezvous point, which turns out to be a hell of a strip joint. Uh, so I, uh, I don't really like this movie and I think it's the something to do with the script. The script by Tarantino, I think is just not structured well enough and... I don't really like how the characters are written. I think George Clooney's a little bit miscast, and some of the humor just isn't for me. It just doesn't quite work. I'll watch a Robert Rodriguez-directed movie, like, anytime. I, I respect, like, where he came from and just, like, sort of handmade movies and, you know, got his start with El Mariachi and then went on to do Desperado and, you know, make bank. But uh, this one just, I've never been a fan of it. It just didn't work for me. And like I said, I think George Clooney's a little bit miscast. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, I don't think George Clooney today would ever do this movie in any sense. Uh, working with Tarantino, I just couldn't see him do it. Like, Clooney now has done a n number of movies with the Coen brothers, and that seems more his speed, not this nastiness. Especially since Quentin Tarantino, um, his character... Richard Gecko is just just disgusting, like really awful and nasty. Yeah, it could be the nastiness that I just don't really like about this because it kind of undermines the fun aspect to it. I get why people like this movie, but no, it's just never been for me. Uh, there is a documentary that was made about the making of this movie called Full, T Full Tilt Boogie. Um, I did see that years ago and I didn't really like it, <laughs> but it's an interesting contrast to what this film is to then the filmmaking process especially in the mid 90s like how people made movies back then um that reminds me of another documentary i don't like but is still somewhat worth watching the documentary called overnight about the making of um 
boondock saints <laughs> they're kind of in the same vein but going back to from dust till dawn it's just okay i rated it two stars it's got a very recognizable cast like we've got harvey Keitel in this he's actually really good in this uh juliet lewis she's fine uh then salma hayek cheech marin danny trejo you know michael parks is in this he's in the beginning and even john hawks i never realized that john hawks was in the beginning of this but uh it's it, you, you, tw Quentin Tarantino, mid-90s, not directed by him. You know what you're getting into. Uh, but it definitely has some vampires in it. <laughs> um, after From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, I knew they were going to be playing a Blackula, Blackula, Blackula movie. Well, I can't talk. Blackula movie. I didn't know if they were playing the original Blackula or the sequel and they played Scream Blackula Scream from 1973 directed by Bob Kelgen the black prince of shadows stalks the earth again after a dying voodoo queen chooses an adopted apprentice as her successor her true heir is outraged seeking revenge he buys the bones of Blackula the vampire off of a dealer and uses voodoo to bring the vampire back to do his bidding in turn, Blackula turns him into a vampire and makes him his slave. Meanwhile, the police, a police officer with a large collection of African antiques and an in interest in the occult investigates the murders caused by Blackula and his vampire horde. A little bit of a complicated story there. Uh, <laughs> um, I, uh, I think this was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't exactly know what was going on, and I wish I had seen the very first Blackula movie, but... Um, when this was presented as the next movie, they explained why they showed this one because they just couldn't, it sounded like it was a movie that they wanted to show, but just wasn't sure if they could draw an audience to it. But it makes sense within the context of a vampire centric horror marathon. Uh, I actually have to say William Marshall, who plays Blackula, he is fantastic. Like he is very captivating, great on screen. And in this sequel, uh, Blackula's sequel, Pam Greer is in the film and she's great. Uh, there wasn't a lot to work with, even though the story seems kind of complicated. It's, it's, there's a little bit of flatness when it comes to how this is presented, but I still, I still enjoyed watching this. It wasn't like the best movie ever. And, um, I, I know, like, I need to watch the first Black Blackula film to get a better sense of, like, what Blackula is truly all about, since this is more voodoo-centric. Um, some of that stuff might be a little offensive in this day and age. But I, uh, I enjoyed it. In fact, I would say, like, of all the movies I watched during the marathon, this is the one that, like, I hadn't seen before that really impressed me in some ways, because it does feel like black exploitation and, um... It just has a real point of view. As, as sloppy and maybe not as coherent as it could have been, uh, it worked. I enjoyed it. So Scream, Blackula Scream. I rated it three stars from 1973, directed by Bob Kelton. So that was actually the last movie I watched at the marathon because I, I had a sense that they would close the marathon with a movie that wasn't hinted at on the Facebook event for it. And one thing I hadn't seen, hadn't really seen besides The Descent, was a movie that was a bit more flashy. So I had like a, I had a hope that they would show Dracula 2000, which is a kind of trashy um, early 2000s Dracula film that I believe was released like under the Miramax Dimension Films thing. Um, if you are a 
millennial like me, you know exactly what Dimension Films is. Um, it's not a great film, but I was hoping for something like that to maybe close out the horror th- marathon. But no, they went with something else that I was like, hopefully not going to have to witness. And that was 30 Days of Night. And I don't like that movie. So I just immediately left. I didn't finish the whole entire thing. I was just like, no, I don't like 30 Days of Night. I can get out of here and I can make sure I definitely don't miss my bus and even grab lunch before I head home. So I, I did that without any reservations, <laughs> but the horror marathon was fun. Uh, the movies I hadn't seen before I enjoyed and, um, from dusk till dawn is really the only one of the films that I just don't really care for that I had seen before. So not bad. Sometimes I go to the, uh, horror marathons that I've been to and I'm just like, Eh, that movie's bad or I'll just like fall asleep completely during a movie I will say though like years ago when I did Keanu-thon which is a which was an overnight Keanu Reeves marathon like every movie was good and that's because they're all Keanu Reeves movies but (laughs) uh yeah horror is a bit more hit or miss but this was pretty fulfilling and I will say I uh I I did sleep from time to time but it didn't feel it didn't feel as painful as other horrorathons have felt where, or movie marathons rather, not just horror. Um, cause it can be difficult to just keep your wits about you and be alert enough to even watch a movie. Um, and the extreme tiredness, I didn't have any of that. So lucky me. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I did, I did watch a movie on Halloween night. I'm pretty sure it was Halloween night. Let me just double check. Yes. On Halloween night, I watched a movie, uh, that I was very much excited to watch because as you heard in the prior episode, I watched Psycho 2 and I really enjoyed that. So Psycho 3 from 1986, actually directed by Anthony Perkins, who plays Norman Bates. I was excited for this one because I was hoping that it would give you more to work with with Norman Bates but uh this was not quite what I was expecting but I'm not going to say I was disappointed the tagline is Norman Bates is back to normal but mother's off her rocker again (laughs) Norman Bates is still running his little motel and has kept the dress skeleton he calls quote mother one day a nosy journalist comes to see him and ask him questions about his past Okay, so (laughs) this goes full slasher, like 80s slasher. There's no resemblance, no attempt to really make this very Hitchcockian. Um, It's an interesting film, though. Uh, It starts out a little different than the other films. There's a woman who I believe she was a nun in training. Um, Her name is Maureen Coyle. She witnesses a tragic death and she escapes I I believe it was a convent where she was, and then she gets picked up by Jeff Fahey, who's this totally sketchy dude. Um, His character's name is Dwayne, and Dwayne, like, uh, yeah, not a cool guy. Uh, She luckily escapes him, but Dwayne goes down the road, basically, and uh, runs into the Bates Motel and uh, gets a job working for Norman Bates, and Norman's just, like, you know, business as usual whatever, my trashy hotel. And what ends up eventually happening is that this nun character, Maureen Coyle, whose initials are MC, much like Marion Crane from the very first psycho film, she starts to have a little bit of a relationship with Norman Bates. 
and it's it's innocent to start, but then some things happen. Uh, there's other developments that happen to do with Dwayne and the nastiness. Like it is, it is really like kind of trashy for a psycho psycho sequel. <laughs> um, and then there's the questioning of like you know is is Norman Bates okay? Like what's going on? I won't really get into that because that's not the interesting part of the film. But I will say for an '80s like thriller horror thing, I found this enjoyable. Again, just like Psycho Two. It's not as deep as Psycho 2, though. Like, Psycho 2 has, like, real characters. This one's a little bit more... I already said trashy a number of times, but yeah, that's the route it's going. You look at Jeff Fahey as Dwayne, and he is a total scumbag. There's a number of deaths in this movie that are, like, very graphic and a bit shocking. Like, stuff Hitchcock himself would never do. But I, I think for, like a second sequel for a film this is this is way way off of what that is but at the same time it sort of takes the slashery elements of it like the genre in the 80s anyway and melds them together like that old school feeling with this new school thing because we're talking about the mid 80s like the the um, Friday the 13th movies are more prominent in this time and age Uh, this is after Nightmare on Elm Street has come out so Psycho 3 is like trying to find its place among those killers and I think it's successful. I don't think this is a movie everybody's gonna like though. Some people just watch this and be like well this is trash. You know we had a lot of things to discuss about Norman coming back into society in Psycho 2 and this one just you know goes for the goes for the blood and guts or whatever gore you know. Uh, but I, like I said, I didn't hate it. I rated it three stars on Letterboxd and yeah, I recommend it if you like Psycho 2 and are more into slasher horrors, but, uh, if you don't want to see Norman Bates go that route, I, uh, don't recommend it then. But, uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. So that's it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, I had a great time at the horror marathon at the Coolidge, like I said, and, the uh, next episode, um, we're going to get back into the swing of some more newer movies. I have a number of movies I'm looking forward to see over the next week or so that are either new on streaming or new in theaters and maybe even more awardsy players, I guess you could say. I don't know. But um, yeah, I'm Mallory. Thank you so much for listening. We're getting close to the end of the 5,000. But that's not going to be the end of the show. Don't worry about it. I've got some plans for things to do after I hit the number. But if you want to follow along on Twitter, it's Cinema5K. And if you want to send an email, it's Cinema5KPod at gmail.com. And if you're listening to this and you're on maybe Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, but maybe you use Amazon podcast. Guess what? Uh, the this podcast is available on Amazon Podcasts. I'm gonna put a link uh, available to you so you can access it directly on the Cinema 5K Twitter. But otherwise, if you go into Amazon Podcasts, you should be able to find Cinema 5000 there for your listening pleasure. So thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you later. Bye.